0: Welcome to This is Robotics, radio news, podcasting news and commentary from around the world. Please join us for today's radio news report with your host, Tom Green, for news, analysis, and commentary from the wide world of robotics. Radio News is a production of Asian Robotics Review, your most trusted news resource in global robotics. And now, here's Tom.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to our end-of-year show. It's December and this is Robotics Radio News, a production of Asian Robotics Review. is concluding its 2021 season. Hope you've been enjoying the holiday season. Thanksgiving and Christmas are in the rearview mirror along with Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. Upcoming is New Year's, Orthodox Christmas for those on the Julian calendar, and then Lunar New Year the second new moon after the winter solstice, which will be February 1st, and will be the year of the tiger. For 2022, we're all going to be tigers. Because of these holidays with people, families, and parties going on everywhere, we're going to dedicate today's program to people, hence our people program. It's all about people and technology. In fact, If you look at the top of the home page for Asian Robotics Review, three words in bold white letters sit at the top of the page. Robotics, automation, and people. We call it the sandwich. Automation is the meat in the center. Robotics slides down as the tools that plug into the automation, and then there's people on the bottom, always being acted upon by the two elements above, automation and robotics. Thus, our technology sandwich of robotics, automation, and people. Three elements about which all of our articles, all of our reporting, all of our content revolve, and the interaction between the three. That's our game here. For today's People Program, we kick things off with China's Christmas Miracle, a truly one-of-a-kind incredible event from December of 1978, 43 years ago. After 150 years of being kicked around a woefully impoverished country, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash on itself, and began an amazing four-decade's journey to Christmas 2021. What that journey has meant for robotics is incalculable. And it all took place one gray afternoon at a small hotel in Beijing. It was carried out by a single individual on December 18, 1978. Our second story is about a subject often argued about, our robots taking jobs. The answer? Yes. Robots take jobs, lots of them, millions of them. Now we know. Here are the real facts, the real story on what's happening and its solution. Yes, there is a solution. A solution contained in one word, mobilize. We'll get at that. Maybe we need to take some of the magic dust from China's Christmas miracle and sprinkle it worldwide. We've dedicated the segment to Studs Terkel, the Pulitzer Prize winner who for four decades interviewed working people on his radio show and in his books about their jobs. Most of those jobs are today kaput. Technology has already taken them. There's an amazing parallel here. Third up is about the solution to robots, people, and jobs that lives in miniature in Pittsburgh. We let Henry Leonard, in part two of his article about the rise of Pittsburgh from bankruptcy and collapse to a powerful robot technopolis, tell the tale. There's a recent, little-known program going on in Pittsburgh that needs to be mobilized nationwide. It's the solution. Our fourth and concluding people and technology story is about the loneliness of the holidays for many millions of people worldwide. And how relational AI and humanoid robots might brighten the holidays for the lonely. What with rampant global depression going on, people living alone, and the alarmingly high rate of suicide, relational AI and humanoid robots could well be a return to happiness for millions. So come along, let's take a look at the news in detail. China's Christmas Miracle and what it means for robotics. The first story in today's People program is as fantastic as it is true. It's called China's Christmas Miracle. What this meant for robotics and automation is, is truly incalculable. Funny things happen when you give people hope. This is a story about hope. The central thoroughfare in Beijing, the main drag, is named the Street of Eternal Peace, or in Mandarin, Chang'anji. At Christmas time in 1978, the operative words on Chang'anji Street were not eternal peace, but rather eternal poverty, utter poverty. In 1978, 88% of China's population, after a day of brutally hard work, each worker made less than $2.60 a day, no more than $300 a year. That meant that in 1978, 88% of all Chinese went to bed poor and got up the next morning without any chance to be anything other than poor. And their children, they were looking at a future of no better than being like their parents, poor. Then it all changed. On December 18, 1978, at Beijing's Hotel Jingzi, all of that grief and hopelessness would be forever changed for the better. In 1978, the road to modern China was about to be born. The same modern China that the International Federation of Robotics reported, 168,000 industrial robots were sold in 2020. That's 3,500 industrial robots each and every week. In 1978, China bought zero. The architect of that magnanimous Christmas moment of birthing modern China on the 18th of December was a diminutive guy named Deng Xiaoping, about whom Henry Kissinger said, I developed an enormous regard for the extraordinary little man with the melancholy eyes. Melancholy, as Victor Hugo once described it, is that twilight state in which suffering transmutes into a somber joy. On a gray December day, the man with the melancholy eyes announced what is today known as China's Christmas Miracle. Into this impoverished land and its woefully impoverished people, he said, we need large numbers of pathbreakers who dare to think, explore new ways, and generate new ideas. Otherwise, we won't be able to rid our country of poverty and backwardness or to catch up with still less surpass the advanced countries. To walk with giants, you must be a giant. A quiet giant, but still a giant. He proposed that China learn from the example of other richer countries. Allow workers and peasants to vie, to get ahead, so those with a better standard of life would inspire others to work harder. And he proposed that provinces and enterprises be given the power to make decisions and try new things. Take hire for example. You know them. You see their logo on the back of air conditioners sticking out of people's windows. Well, they're a very successful home appliance manufacturer in China. When Deng entered the hotel that day in December of 1978, Haier was an unsuccessful state-run company making refrigerators that never worked. Zhang Rubin took it over and built it into an international colossus, which last year had a revenue of $38 billion, and along the way even bought GE Appliances. What has transpired in China ever since 1978 is more than astounding. It's never been done before. In all of human history, no matter how big the country or how large its population, it's never been done. It was, in effect, Roosevelt's New Deal, the Marshall Plan, Eisenhower's interstate highway system, Kennedy's New Frontiers, and Johnson's Great Society all rolled into one massive megaproject for a billion-plus people. It's simply astounding. In the three years, 2011 to 2013, China used more cement than the U.S. used in all of the 20th century, 6.6 gigatons. No one knows what China might look like today if that Christmas gift had not been delivered and opened in 1978. We may have on our hands an epic-sized North Korea with accurate ICBMs. One thing for sure is that the International Federation of Robotics wouldn't be gushing over the tens of thousands of industrial robots sold in China every year. It said that China, by 2050, will have in operation more industrial robots than the rest of the world combined, something like 9 million. Poverty in China has gone from 88% to less than 6%. China now has a brand new middle class of over 500 million people. That's a middle class larger than the entire population of Europe. Ezra Vogel, author of Deng Xiaoping and the Transformation of China, said of Deng, who in the 20th century had more influence on more people? Deng did what China had been trying to do for 150 years and couldn't. For the full story, please see the free PDF download at This Is Robotics page at Asian Robotics Review. These days, on the Street of Eternal Peace, or Chang'an-ji, everyone is feeling a whole heck of a lot better about themselves than in 1978. (音楽) Merry Christmas, China. Our next story we call Pink Slips for Old Technology. When you hear that robots and AI will create as many jobs as they take, that's true. But in the meantime, we all have to eat. For every robot deployed in the United States, three jobs are lost. So reports the Century Foundation's paper how robots are affecting workers in their wages. Do the math. It's only a matter of time until those deployments take their toll. Make no mistake it's going to take time before replacement jobs are plentiful enough to be meaningful to the large numbers of displaced people who need them. And it will take time for those displaced people to be meaningful to their intended new jobs. If you can't perform the new job, then you're simply not needed. During the early part of the pandemic, we did an article on meat processors and lines of people in white coats standing shoulder to shoulder deboning chickens all day more than COVID, we found out, can be transmitted in a meat plant. Robot replacements in meat plants seem best for a whole host of reasons. And now Business Insider reports Tyson Foods plans to invest more than $1.3 billion for plant automation. That was due. It's about time to call in the robots on deboning chickens and other grim meat plant jobs. But Tyson Foods has 139,000 employees. Who's going? Who stays? And what happens to those displaced? It'll take time, energy, and billions of dollars to train, retrain, and skill up those who need help in making meaningful life for themselves. In reality, it's not robots and AI taking jobs. It's technology taking jobs. Robots and AI are just the new flavor of technology this time around. Previous tech disruptions have taken all manner of forms. The low-tech shipping container is a major disruptor. My HP laptop, which is assembled in a factory in China, costs an extra $2 to travel by container to my desk. Not bad. Small extra cost on my part to pay out for such a good deal. But that's only if it comes by container. If it leaves China any other way, then it suddenly becomes prohibitively expensive to buy. Hence, I can't afford an HP laptop assembled in China. So I guess that I need to thank Malcolm McLean, inventor of the shipping container and the container ship, for making it possible for me to own an HP laptop. However, if I'm a longshoreman standing in an unemployment line, I could probably point to the shipping container and the container ship as the reason for my joblessness. According to the New York Times, there were 35,000 longshoremen working the docks in New York City in 1960. Today, there are fewer than 3,500. Worldwide, the ranks of dock-working jobs has been gutted and will never return. On April 26, 1956, McLean put 58 containers aboard a retrofitted tanker ship, the SS Ideal X, and sailed it from Newark, New Jersey to Houston, Texas. Soon thereafter, anyone manufacturing anything would need to use a container or lose its customers to competition that did use containers. Where formerly 20 dock workers could load 20 tons of cargo per hour, it now took one port crane, one operator, and one hour to load 400 to 500 tons of containers. However, there was a lag, a gap. Between 1956, when McLean's first container ship set sail and the virtual extinction of longshoremen's jobs. The low-tech shipping container was what really took all those tens of thousands of jobs worldwide. When Thomas Edison opened the first electric power generating plant in New York City in 1882, he sold electricity for lighting. But he needed to manufacture bulbs, electrical wiring, dig trenches in the streets for pipes that would carry the current to the light bulbs, and then wire up businesses and residences with light fixtures. In the process, he created a new occupation, the electrician. The funny-sounding name at first sneered at by many would become a well-paying occupation for millions, and no job, large or small, would escape the transformative power of electric motors. When the first steam-powered factory converted to electric current supplied by an electric plant, it eliminated the woefully inefficient steam engine. Every factory owner had a choice to make. Stay with steam... go to electricity. Once again there was a lag, a gap between when steam fizzled out and electric power and the electrician became ubiquitous. Old technology was disrupted by new technology and the old technology got a pink slip. Such technology disruptions are taking place today. Robots, AI, and Robotic Process Automation, or RPA, are the new technologies disrupting and displacing the previous, less efficient processes. As Kevin Roos, technology columnist for the New York Times, puts it, all over the world, executives are spending billions of dollars to transform their businesses into lean, digitized, highly automated operations. They are racing to automate their own workforces to stay ahead of the competition, with little regard for the impact on workers. Actually, commerce and industry have no choice. The lessons that shipping containers and electric-powered factories have taught industry are simple. Change or perish. An engineer at Kodak invented the video camera, at which the Kodak board sneered and dismissed him as folly. Bad decision. Video photography is everywhere today. Kodak isn't. Japanese high school girls militated with cell phone companies to put cameras in their phones. And the phone companies that did are still around. The others, well, when was the last time you snapped a photo with a camera not in your phone? This time around, technology disruption is happening much faster. But the lag, the gap between new jobs showing up will still be slow. Simply because no one is doing much about getting displaced workers ready. The pandemic of 2020 has only served to accelerate that transformation process across almost every industry worldwide. People are looking to achieve very big numbers, reports Mohit Joshi, the president of Infosys a technology consulting firm with a raft of mega clients like Daimler, Mercedes-Benz, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Johnson & Johnson, etc. Infosys works to help those corporate giants to automate their operations. In the beginning, reports Joshi, they had incremental 5 to 10% goals in reducing their workforces. Now they're saying, why can't we do it with 1% of the people we have? And they're doing it. Not only Tyson Foods, more than 120 million workers globally will need retraining in the next three years due to artificial intelligence impacts on jobs, according to an IBM survey. Management consulting firm Oliver Wyman writes, the number of individuals who will be impacted is immense. The world's most advanced cities aren't ready for the disruptions of artificial intelligence. I wish Studs Terkel was still around. He passed away in 2008. Studs Terkel spent 45 years of his life interviewing working people about their jobs. The Pulitzer Prize-winning writer asked a lifetime of questions, resulting in 9,000 audiotapes for his Studs Terkel show that aired over radio station WFMT in Chicago. That's about 200 interviews a year for over four decades. The interviewees range from titans like Simone de Beauvoir, Bertrand Russell, and John Kenneth Galbraith to simple, ordinary working folk. AI with a neat algorithm that could parse audio tape might tell us lots of interesting things about these people and the patterns of their work lives. Turkle was his own algorithm, and he put the best of himself into a bunch of books on people, their jobs, and how and why they worked. One of the themes that reoccurs regularly in interviews is that people, feeling that their jobs were mindless, repetitive, boring, and most certainly a job, as more than a few said, was only fit for a robot. Jobs they prayed their children wouldn't have to endure to make a living. But thank God for that mindless job, because without it, there'd be no bread on the table at home. In one of his most famous books, Working People talk about what they do all day and how they feel about what they do, Turkle distilled the essence of what he was hearing about jobs from those interviews. It's about a search, too, for daily meaning, he said, as well as daily bread, for recognition as well as cash, for astonishment rather than torpor, in short, for a sort of life rather than a Monday through Friday sort of dying. Perhaps immortality, he went on to say. That, too, is part of the quest. To be remembered was a wish, spoken and unspoken, of the heroes and heroines of his book. Most of the people that Turkle lovingly and skillfully interviewed are gone, and so, too, are their mindless jobs. Fortunately, no one has to tell their kids to get a job as a key punch operator or to stand all day at a turret lathe or learn to operate an elevator. Technology has already taken on that task for us. Those old technologies got their pink slips a long time ago. Coming up in the second part of our People Program are two reports that serve up solutions to two mega challenges facing the world. First, with the fear and angst of robots taking over jobs on the minds of millions globally, how to turn that fear on its head and retrain a population for a new age manufacturing? Retraining and Reskilling a Workforce is the second in our two-part series on Pittsburgh by Henry Leonard, in which Henry, our man in Pittsburgh, beautifully addresses and answers the global challenge. Part one was our November story on the fall and rise of Pittsburgh, journeying from the collapse of its steel industry to the rise of its robot technopolis. Part two of Henry's article for December is called Flexing Pittsburgh's Robotics Prowess, and that in Pittsburgh today resides the solution for retraining those displaced by robots in automation. Excellent cause for hope in 2022. Following Henry's Pittsburgh reveal on retraining and reskilling a workforce is our concluding article in our End of Year People program called Home for the holidays with humanoids. Although the holiday season is a happy place for millions worldwide, it's also an unhappy time for millions of others living alone and lonely, mildly to clinically depressed, and the alarming rise of people wanting to harm themselves and suicide. Relational AI wrapped in a humanoid robot could well be a highly impactful solution. Hear that, Elon Musk? In your soon-to-be humanoid robot, please stay tuned. You're going to love what you hear. Okay, we're back. And back as well is Henry Leonard with his part two of his two-part series on Pittsburgh. See his fall and rise of Pittsburgh in our November podcast. Part two is Henry's follow-on article, Flexing Pittsburgh's Robotics Prowess. Positioning to Help Meet America's Greatest Manufacturing Challenges. It's all about Pittsburgh's transformation from dying steel town to global robotics powerhouse, which has it positioned to help meet America's greatest manufacturing challenges. Two mega topics discussed in Henry's new article, Skilling Up a Workforce in Robotics for Students, College Graduates, and Displaced Workers, no matter what age you are. He first talks about the ARM Institute, Advanced Robotics for Manufacturing Institute, ARM. The ARM Institute was started in January of 2017 with the awarding of a U.S. Department of Defense contract to Pittsburgh's Carnegie Mellon University as part of Manufacturing USA's network. ARM operates as a separate nonprofit entity with more than 330 consortium members. ARM is one of the nine manufacturing innovation institutes funded by the Department of Defense and part of Manufacturing USA's network, which encompasses a total of 16 such institutions, sponsored by either the U.S. Departments of Commerce, Defense, or Energy. These institutes are public-private partnerships that each have distinct technology focus areas but work towards a common goal, to accelerate U.S. advanced manufacturing as a whole and secure America's future through manufacturing, innovation, education, and collaboration. According to Arm, the three biggest obstacles for the U.S. in 2022 are, number one, lack of a skilled labor force. Hey, haven't we heard a lot about that? Number two, incorporating robotics in automation. And three, supply chain issues. Hey, the world is facing the same identical issues. ARM, with enough cash, can easily scale up to be the nexus of retraining those displaced by automation, those looking to join the automation party, and make a new life for themselves. ARM's mission is to create and then to deploy robotic technology by integrating the diverse collection of industry practices and institutional knowledge across many disciplines, sensor technologies for one, and defector development software and artificial intelligence, material science, human and machine behavior modeling, and quality assurance, to realize the promises of a robust manufacturing innovation system. Now, with Biden's infrastructure bills, $1 trillion spend just ahead, ARM is in place to explore careers in robotics for manufacturing for everyone who wants one. A 2021 study by Deloitte and the Manufacturing Institute found that as many as 2.1 million American manufacturing jobs will be unfilled through 2030 and noted that 500,000 manufacturing jobs are open right now, today. The report warns the American shortage could potentially cost the U.S. economy as much as $1 trillion by the end of the decade in lost revenue and production. Robotics and manufacturing is a growing and exciting field that offers opportunities for job seekers at every level, every age. Find your fit. For 2022, make it your business to download the PDF of Henry's article. We have a copy waiting for you. Henry has it loaded with links and references that you can begin changing your future tomorrow. The website is www.roboticscareer.org, but download that PDF and get going on it tomorrow. Another Pittsburgh entity that will be working to address those manufacturing challenges is CMU's new Robotics Innovation Center and Manufacturing Institute that goes by the acronym RIC, R-I-C. It was announced in May. It is being funded through a $150 million grant from the Richard King Mellon Foundation, the largest single grant in the foundation's 74-year history. The RIC will provide CMU Robotics researchers with roughly 150,000 square feet of research space for integration, iteration, and commercialization. There is a job and a career and a successful life awaiting you at Pittsburgh's Arm Institute or the Robotics Innovation Center or both. For 2022, go for it. Download the PDF today. What do you got to lose? Our last, but not least, people's story this season is Home and Humanoids for the Holidays. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. It would have been nice this holiday season to have seen Amazon Prime trucks scooting around my neighborhood dropping off holiday humanoids for those abandoned and living alone, the totally depressed or the lonely. Home for the holidays is not such a pleasant experience for millions globally, but it could be. In this story, Cynthia Brazil, a roboticist with more than a passing interest in humanoid robotics, talks about the possibility of relational AI and humanoid robots combining to be wonderful companions for humans. As she says, nowhere in all of technology is there quite anything like a humanoid robot for knowing how to push all of our social buttons. I found that observation to be quite fascinating. With that in mind, we reprise our very popular article on sex robots. Those of you who missed it in our August podcast get a second chance at delving into the potential of humanoid robots becoming our true companions. Elon Musk has promised a humanoid for 2022. Let's see what he delivers up. Like every robot, they don't eat, drink, or take bathroom breaks, and they are available 24-7. So the ROI must be better than the automobile in your driveway. Sure, our brains tell us that they are not real, but somehow our hearts think differently about them. And in the end, does it really matter? As long as they make us smile. Andrea Morris, in her article, really has a great headline. Uh, she, She writes, Sex robots are the most disruptive technology we didn't see coming. In her first paragraph, she really outlines what the problem is. At first glance, Harmony looks, that's a sex robot, Harmony looks a bit like a chatbot got trapped inside an anatomically correct life-size Barbie. But on closer inspection, it's hard to shake the feeling that sex robots have the potential to thoroughly disrupt how we interact with technology as well as how we interact with each other and whether some not insignificant portion of the population will opt out of interacting with humans altogether. Robots, she goes on to say, have been taking our jobs outside of the home. They are on the verge of replacing humans as providers of many of our most personal needs, from domestic work to intimacy. Is this inevitable, and is it even a bad thing, she concludes? MIT's Cynthia Brazile, in an interview after a TED Talk, remarked that robots know how to push all of our buttons. I quote, she said, They, robots, push our social buttons stronger than any other technology. Meaning that, since robots are the only thing that has ever replied to a human in human language, that humans are innately attracted to them in a way that is sort of inexplicable but very evident and real. ABC's Katie Couric had lunch and a chat with Harmony. Couric was reporter-composed during the interchange, but when she met Henry, a male sex robot, who told her that she had a perfect ass, she blushed. A little button pushing there, I'd wager. She then drove off with Henry in a classic pink Thunderbird. According to a study conducted by YouGov, more than one in five Americans, 22%, would gladly go through with having a few of their buttons pushed by an AI-infused sex robot like Harmony or Henry. The slice of AI that Brazil supports, namely relational AI, might be a good future next step for these sex robots. When asked by the interviewer, can AI help us become who we aspire to be? Can it help us live not just more productive but better, more fulfilling lives? She explained it this way. When we talk about human flourishing, she said, it's not about brief encounters with AI. Positive emotions, meaning a sense of achievement, relationships, all those things are extremely important. I call it relational AI. AI that can understand us as people and treat us as people. There's no question that personal robots and other AI systems are becoming a growing presence in our lives, remarked the interviewer. But while Apple's Siri, Google Home, and Amazon's Alexa can carry out certain tasks, they can't truly support who we are, according to Brazil. Relational AI for humans in pursuit of intimacy, more than just sex, might find relational AI to be the killer app for sex robots. Adamant in opposition to getting close to a sex robot for any reason are websites like Feminist Current, In it's An Open Letter on the Dangers of Normalizing Sex Dolls and Sex Robots. Feminist Current writes, At a time when pornography, prostitution, and child exploitation is facilitated and proliferated by digital technology, turning it into a global profitable industry, these products further promote the objectification of the female body and as such constitute a further assault on human intimacy. The malfactors in all of this, according to the website and its campaign against sex robots, these technologies are developed and backed by academic and business robotics and artificial intelligence communities who have to date the loudest voices shaping the policy direction about the benefits of sex robots while largely ignoring the potentially dangerous effects on women, men, and children. That's definitely not how to win friends and influence people, I think. That sounds mighty close to a blanket condemnation of all those working in robotics and AI. Conspiracy theories aside, that just simply isn't true. Let's connect a few of the dots for a little bit of clarity. The facts are that humans are going to continue to explore for themselves when it comes to sex robots. Dr. Helen Driscoll of the University of Sunderland says... The point is, people already fall in love with fictional characters, even if there's no chance to meet and interact with them. How many humans readily let go of their emotions and fall in love with a character in a movie? Plenty. David Levy, who founded the International Congress of Love and Sex with Robots, has outlined how machines will advance to form loving relationships with humans. There are millions of people out there, says Levy, who, for various reasons, don't have anyone to love or anyone who loves them. And for these people, I think, robots are going to be the answer. With a suicide happening every 20 minutes somewhere in the world, with levels of clinical depression as rampant as COVID, the World Health Organization totals out some 264 million people of all ages who suffer from depression, and that depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide and is a major contributor to the overall global burden of disease. AI is key to Levy's evolution of human-robot relationships. I've always felt that one of the difficult problems to solve with AI was human-computer conversation. Because obviously, if you want to have a good relationship with someone, part of that relationship has to be the conversations you have with them. The current level of human-computer conversation is still fairly primitive, he says, but it has improved in the last 10 or 15 years and there's an ever-increasing amount of effort being applied to developing that field. I'm pretty much convinced that by 2050 there will be software that can carry on a conversation that will be as good as one we can have with a human. Somewhere in the run-up to 2050, Brazil's relational AI will happen along to join the sex robot revolution. With the sex tech industry in general at $33 billion annually, according to Grandview Research, female segment of that is 60% of the total, of which sex robots are only a tiny fraction, much more investment will be necessary. Maybe that will come from an unlikely source like Elon Musk, who just announced that 2022 would see the arrival of the Tesla humanoid, or TeslaBot. No doubt, over time, lots of elements from his humanoid will find their way into sex robots, especially its ability to walk, projected to be 5 miles an hour. These days, going to dinner with a robot necessitates that he or she be carried in and out of the restaurant. Definitely not cool. While waiting for all of these dots to connect up, case studies of people currently living with robots are here for your reading pleasure. Buzzworthy's article Inside the Life of People Married to Robots is very interesting. Just to wet your whistle a little, here are two from the article. Number one is Ned Nefer, who married a mannequin's head that he pushes around town in a wheelchair. And secondly, a French woman fighting for her right to marry a robot that she made with a 3D printer. As the Germans put it, Everyone to their own taste, indeed. Well, folks, we've come to a triple close. The end of today's podcast, our People program, we hope you really liked it. It's also the end of our very first season of podcasting. This is our fifth podcast, and of course, it's the end of another awesome year in robotics 2021. We had a blast putting together five podcasts for your review and consideration. We look forward to bringing to your ears another exciting year of This Is Robotics radio news. Thanks ever so much for all of the well-wishings and global appreciations we got for our podcast. We're overjoyed that you like it so much, which pumps us up even more to bring you more for next year. For 2022, we have a few surprises to add to the podcast, so please hang with us throughout the year. You're going to love what you hear. Upcoming is Lunar New Year, Year of the Tiger, beginning February 1st. To all my Thai friends and relatives, Sawati Mai. Lunar New Year is also the birthday of our launching of Asian Robotics Review. We'll be going on our fifth year of publishing. To all of our good buds in the robotics ecosystem, and to the new friends we made this year, Happy New Year. We love getting to know you. Take care, everyone. See you on the other side for a rockin' 2022.
0: That brings to a close today's edition of Radio News. As always, thank you for your interest and attention. Until our next report, please be sure to click on over to This is Robotics, the online news column at Asian Robotics Review. Also, look for This is Robotics Radio News at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Pandora. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, this is Radio News, signing off. Have a great day.